0: Yo, welcome to another episode of the Clip City Podcast. I'm your host, Yovan Buha, Clippers beat writer for the Athletic, and today I am joined by Mo Dekeel. A, I keep calling you a frequent guest, but at this point, I mean, we might as well put you on, on you know, co co billing, co starring. I don't put know what me you on
1: call the it. signage. <laughs> put me on the signage, Yovan. We gotta, we gotta I'm add right. you to the logo. <laughs> you know, when am I gonna get some love? uh, (laughs) This is just like me asking the Clippers for my video tribute.
0: (laughs) I'm surprised. I mean, I'm surprised with how many people got also the Raptors. I don't know if you remember that game. Um, That was one of the random highlights of the season for me was the Raptors giving like three different Clippers. Uh, They they, they gave Kawhi, obviously, uh, two video tributes. They gave Lou Williams one. And they even gave Fiondu cavangele one, who's not
1: even—I don't <laughs> even think a Clipper former fans, player. I don't even know if the Clipper fans know who that is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but just because he was Canadian, um, the, the one guy who was left out was Patrick Patterson. Uh, so but that, that's a story for a different day.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's just why can't I get my video tribute? That's all I want. Give give Mo what he wants. Um, <laughs> so the
0: Clippers defeated the Dallas Mavericks one eleven to ninety seven. To close out this series in six games, Um, Kawhi Leonard, of of course, who else, uh, had 33 points, 14 rebounds, 7 assists, and 5 steals. The first guy with that line since Gary Payton um, in 2000. Well, I guess technically the first guy with that line since Michael Jordan in 1989, but with the 30, uh, 10-plus rebounds, 5-plus assists, 5-plus steals, Last guy since Gary Payton. And then those specific numbers, last guy since Michael Jordan. Um, so Kawhi continues to just play at an excellent level. Uh, Paul George at 15 points. Ivita Zubac, 15 points, 11 rebounds. Reggie Jackson had 14 off the bench. Luka Doncic, uh, not not too shabby, 38 points, 9 rebounds, 9 assists in the closeout game. Uh, bounce back from what I thought was a, a little bit of a concerning game five uh, fr- from the Mavericks side of, of just him not looking that great to me, it almost was like, should he even play in game six with with the way he looked hobbled? But um, he he shut me up and uh, looked really good. So where do you, I I mean, macro takeaways from this game, was there anything that stood out to you? I thought the Clippers made a lot of their key adjustments in game five defensively with eliminating some of the late switches and trapping and and blitzing Luca. And um, I thought really kind of packing the paint and and making the Mavericks shooters or rather non-shooters try to beat them. Uh, But was there anything you took away from this game that that was unique from the other 5 or was it kind of a continuation of some of the clippers positive trends that they had had earlier in the uh, in the series
1: I honestly think they found the 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 blueprint in mm-hmm. game 5 for how to take apart the mavs and they just kind of continued it in game 6 and a lot of that all came to switching coverages I mean we talked about it Jovan yeah. you know that just mixing things up and not staying in one coverage the whole time. That's too easy for a player like Donchich, who I don't know about you, feel, and this might be a hot take, but I think he has a future in this league. Uh, You got to kind of keep him guessing all the time. You can't bring the same stuff to him on every play. And I think they just figured that out in game five, how they wanted to finally attack him. And once they did that, it kind of – series was over especially with no Porzingis, which also kind of changed the tenor of the series a bit for the mavs um and i it just kind of fell apart for them at that point
0: yeah for i mean i, I i'm with you I, I was surprised it took them this long to uh you know mix up the coverages like it, it was about six minutes into game five they had their first trap double whatever you want to call it uh, against luca did it a couple times and then progressively did it more, especially in the second half of game five. And you you saw that again in game six. And I I just, I don't know why it took them, you know, the fifth game of the series where he had just destroyed their drop coverages, especially anytime Zubats, Trez, uh, Lou Williams, or Reggie Jackson was involved in an action, uh, you know, especially in a drop coverage, Luca pretty much scored or got a pretty good look. You know, we zooed, Blocked him a few times, you know, altered some shots in the paint. But there still were plenty of times Luka got some pretty good looks. So I thought that was a really nice adjustment from the Clippers. Um, or I thought another thing that was kind of telling in this game was it was a game six. It, it was clear that the Clippers did not want to force a game seven or, or you know, have the Mavericks force a game seven. And Ivica Zubots played a series-high 33 minutes and was a series-best plus 33 in those 33 minutes and Landry Schammett played 38 minutes and was a plus 21. That is in stark comparison with Montrez Harrell, who only played 15 minutes, and Lou Williams, who only played 17 minutes. So I thought it was interesting that, you know, one of the things you and I have spoken about and I've spoken about ad nauseum on this podcast is you know, Lou and Trez and, and their minutes and the, the closing lineup and how much you can play them with their defensive limitations. And I thought it was just interesting that in what was the Clippers' biggest game of the season? And, you know, if you lose this game, you're now going to game seven and there's all this pressure and, uh, you know, there's no real home court advantage. And if you lose, now all of a sudden it's like a disaster of a season. You know, w- with their backs against the wall to, to just close this out, Doc went with Zoo and, and Landry, two guys he has not played consistently, two guys he has not closed games with uh, consistently this season. So I-, I thought that really was telling that he relied on those guys as much as he did.
1: Well, I thought, Uh, And we got to say, Cousin Zoo (laughs) was was great. I I thought he did a really good job, especially in the dunker spot. And just, you know, he's gotten so much better at not so much just catching it, but making himself available for the pass, you know, and and the timing of that cut of one to kind of slide right underneath the rim so that Kawhi or PG can find him for for those easy dump off passes. So I think you know he he did a phenomenal job you know Landry was good and 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 I know he had a, a great plus minus but I'm I'm not a huge believer in just a single game plus minus but I'm curious to see what will happen when Beverly comes back cuz I don't think Landry will will be out there closing as much as as we might suspect just because you know he's still a defensive liability it still becomes an issue I don't think he was that great defensively i mean he had a big block on uh i think it was Kleba, but like i i I still don't think he's he's there so i'll I'll be interested to see what happens when beverly comes and how that might change the minutes or if maybe that's going to eat into reggie jackson's minutes i'm not sure but i'm with you on one thing man trez and lou are just they're just not ready yet and and i'm not sure you know if if you can play them. We've said it many times. You can't play them in crunch time together. And so it'll be an interesting scenario for Doc to figure out what he can go to. But it's also a nice luxury knowing that you're not stuck with these guys. So th- this kind of
0: brings up a conversation of takeaways from this series that you would apply to the rest of the postseason. You know, this team is trying to make not only the finals, but obviously win a championship, you know, have a deep you know, four round playoff run. Um, so. What, if anything, would you take away from this series that you would like to see moving forward um, with this team, whether it's a lineup thing, a rotation thing, um, some type of adjustment? uh, You know, maybe it it is mixing up the coverages against the next player they face, which will be Donovan Mitchell or or Jamal Murray. Um, You know, what would you like to see the Clippers do better or or just kind of work on, you know, in, in the second round?
1: You know, that's tough, Jovan, because each series presents itself a different set of challenges. So, you know, what necessarily worked in this series may not work in the next series or, you know, it or it might, it's, it's a whole different scenario. I think with who they might be playing, I think mixing up coverages is going to be a thing that I think, you know, Doc knows now that the guys can handle it, that they should probably start doing it as early as game one or game two. And, you start actually you know not as early as game two he should be doing it in game one there's no question about it. it it should be something that they do so that Mitchell or Murray don't get comfortable against them so like I think that's probably the one thing I think you could bring over but in terms of rotations and things like that there's so many different things that play into it as you go into the next series you know you might need more offense here or you might need more defense here we you know it sounds like Patrick Beverly's close we don't know when he's necessarily coming back we don't know what condition he's going to be in minutes limits or things like that so i'm not sure how far i would dive into it but i think the most important thing that doc can walk away from going like yeah i can mix up the coverages all throughout the game and our guys will be fine
0: live sports are back it's very possible that we may see an nba playoff matchup between the clippers and the nuggets That's why our partners at Manscaped have partnered with us to make sure your nuggets are as safe as possible when that matchup happens. Manscaped is here to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. The Lawn Mower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of their ceramic blade and skin safe technology, your snags will be reduced. They actually just released their Shears 2.0 nail kit, which is the perfect add-on to the Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. The Shears 2.0 is a luxury four-piece nail kit featuring tempered stainless steel tools and includes slashed tip tweezers, rounded point scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code THEATHLETIC20 take your grooming game to the next level. I think that's a really important point that you just made that it is difficult to make blanket statements and I, I think as observers as you know fans will will, will say and in, in clippers Twitter and stuff like there will be these blanket statements of you know X should happen where it doesn't necessarily factor in the context. Um, I, I would say, I agree with pretty much everything you said where, you know, Lou and Trez to me have not been consistent or reliable. You know, I I know Lou had uh, the the big performance in game four, but aside from that, I I thought he's kind of been around average to slightly below, you know, below average today. He was one for nine uh, just has not looked that good offensively outside of a, a few flashes. And then obviously defensively, you know, we, we know his limitations trez has had some nice moments um i thought game five you know he kind of padded his stats a little bit where he had 16 of his 19 in the fourth quarter when it was a 30 point game um so you, you look at the 19 and you're like oh trez is back he, he's playing well but a lot of that was when the game didn't really matter so i, I would say in, in general terms um I, I think trez lou and reggie jackson should have their minutes monitored and should have their minutes monitored together. Um, that that trio in particular was the Clippers' worst three man pairing that played significant minutes in this series. And I I don't think it's rocket science. Like those three are not good defensively. So you're you're putting two guards who get exploited on the perimeter, and then you're putting a guy who's not a rim protector back there. Like it's just a recipe for disaster of a lot of points in the paint. And, and that was something you saw even. Uh, in game six where, uh, you know, doc continued to go with that lineup and, and you know, he would try to balance it out with Kawhi or PG and, and another starter. But with those three on the court together, you're just going to give up a lot of points. And Dallas cut the lead from 23 all the way down to six, um, in that kind of late third quarter, early fourth quarter span. And doc had to put Kawhi back in to, to kind of seal the game. So I would say, um, it, you know, my two things would just be limiting the minutes of Trez, Lou, and Reggie in general, but specifically together, and then Doc having to adjust a little bit sooner because I felt in this game, or I mean in this series rather, Rick Carlisle was always a step or two ahead of him, and when Doc adjusted, it worked really well, and the Clippers ended up winning, but it was always a game late, and you know, if you look at the biggest adjustments the Clippers made in this series it was games three and five coming off of a loss and, and ma- who knows, maybe you have to lose a game in the playoffs to really adjust if you're the favorite. But I felt from watching Carlisle, he was doing, you know, many more adjustments during games and in, in terms of like, you know, he, he would throw out these lineups with like Justin Jackson and JJ Barea. Those two guys struggle. They don't play the rest of the game. And I, I felt doc was very more like, Sticking with the rotation. If Trez is, you know, playing his 15 to 20 minutes a night, Trez is playing his 15 to 20 minutes a night, regardless of how he's performing. You know, Reggie Jackson right. and Lou, they're playing their 20 to 25. Doesn't matter how they're performing. So I would like to see less rigidity from Doc and, and more flexibility, more so based on the performance. I thought he did that in game six and, and even I, I guess in game five a little bit, but um, that would be my only thing.
1: Yeah, and I think one thing to Think about, and this is mostly for Trez, Is he's still working himself back into shape and yeah. dealing with coming back from everything? So, you know, his minutes might fluctuate a little bit, just depending on how Doc's feeling, with how long he can let him go at at stretches. And I'm with you, like that three man lineup. It doesn't matter; the other two guards could be Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. They're not stopping the defense. You know, that's that's not enough defense on the floor. Like that's just an issue. And I think overall. Yeah, Doc has to show a willingness to adjust right away on the fly because, all right, you got away with it in the first round. Maybe you get away with it in the second round. You're not getting away with it in the Western Conference Finals, and you're not getting away with it in the finals.
0: And, and that was my takeaway, honestly, from from Game 5. Uh, aside from – I mean, the Clippers did make some good defensive adjustments against Luka. I'm not going to say they didn't. Um, I, I do think the trapping and, and the blitzing and um, showing higher and stuff, that, that all worked. But I did feel like in game five, the rotation didn't really change and the Clippers just got hot. You know, they they shot, um, I think, you know, close to 60 percent. They made 22 threes, which was almost a postseason record. Um, You know, they just had an amazing shooting night and they play like that. They're going to beat the Lakers. They're going to beat the Bucks. They're going to beat the Rockets. They're going to beat whoever they play. But you're not going to get that four times in a seven game series. You might get that once. Maybe twice because of how special they are offensively, but for me it was more like there are some clear trends with the lineups that just aren't working and these have been trends that have not been working all season and Doc has continued to go with you know he likes his two lineups he likes the platoon he, he likes to play eight nine, ten guys and I, I just think that is something to to monitor moving forward you know it, again, like you said, it worked against Dallas. It'll probably work against Utah or Denver, but is that going to work against the Lakers? Um, is that going to work against the Rockets? You know, a Rockets team potentially that just defeated the Lakers and is playing out of their minds. Is that going to work in the he, final? He's,
1: he's foreshadowing th- people. He's what? calling it now. Jovan's calling it now. Rockets well, no, upsetting no, I, the I, Lakers. <laughs>
0: no, I mean, I, I, I think it's possible. I'm not. I'm you know, I'm not. I'm not going to pick them. I'd still pick the Lakers. But I'm just saying, like, if you just look at their path. I do think it's, you know, they can not really tweak that much and still get away with it against Denver, Utah, which is our transition here. Um, (laughs) But you get to the Lakers, you get to the Bucs, you get to Rockets, Celtics, whoever it is, conference finals, finals, uh, if they get there. Like, I just don't think this 10 man rotation, nine man rotation, and two different lineups and, you know, Trez and Lou and Reggie playing giant swaths of time together, I don't think that's going to work. And maybe I'm wrong, maybe it works. And, um, I'll have some egg on my face, but I, I really think if the Clippers don't like, that's been my biggest thing so far is I think some of the rotations and lineups are questionable aside from that, you know, most of the guys that have played fairly well. So let's get into the second round here quickly. Um, Denver and, and Utah are now going to seven games. So the Clippers are going to have four games off, or four days off. Rather, um, they will play Thursday game one against whoever wins on Tuesday, Who do you think is is the more ideal matchup for the Clippers and why?
1: Yeah, so I think that most ideal matchup is Denver. And ultimately, the way I look at it is they have more guys you can go at and attack defensively. You know, between Murray, who's not a good defender, Jokic, who's not that good of a defender. They bring Michael Porter Jr. off the bench. Another guy you can target. Like those are just three guys off the bat. They're still a relatively young team. That's still a team that you can kind of shake up here a bit. And I think that's something that sort of you 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 want to take advantage of. So I feel like this is a situation where they're pretty undisciplined, especially defensively. I think it really opens the door for the Clippers. I think that's a that's a team I think that would make the easiest challenge for the Clippers. Is that the right way to say that? I don't know, but you know what I mean? (laughs) I I think you're right.
0: Um, I've gone back and forth on this. I'm actually happy that Utah has played this well for my own vanity because um, before the playoffs, I, I wrote an article ranking the West teams from easiest to hardest. And I actually had Utah as the third hardest matchup for the Clippers behind the Lakers and the Rockets. So, You know, and at the time, like a couple of Utah bloggers uh, retweeted it and were like, oh, this, you know, one writer still believes in the jazz. And, um, you know, some people in in the comment section on The Athletic questioned it. And, um, you know, I I didn't really have a great defense for it because at the time the jazz weren't playing that well. You know, we know about the Rudy and and Donovan chemistry stuff. So I, I didn't really have anything other than I just felt matchup wise, like Donovan destroyed the Clippers in the regular season. I went back and watched all three Clippers jazz games and, you know, two things stand out Rudy and Donovan are, you know, matchup problems for the Clippers. And I think if you're looking at the Clippers defense, the two weakest spots or or most vulnerable spots, I think are the center position and the point guard position. And, that's not a knock on Zoo, who, I mean, we know my thoughts on Zoo. I, cousin I think- Zoo, you're not <laughs> knocking Cousin
1: Zoo. We're not having that. We're not having that slander on this podcast.
0: I mean, look, I, I think Zoo has been the third or fourth best clipper in, in the playoffs and in, in the bubble. So, I, you know, it's not a knock on him, but Rudy, I mean, Rudy Gobert's an all-star for a reason. He's a defensive player of the year for a reason. Like, Rudy Gobert is an elite guy, a top 25 guy, and he causes problems just because he's, he's seven foot two and he's skilled and, um, you know, he's an elite rim protector and really good offensive rebounder and screener. And he just causes a lot of problems. So, you know, I just felt looking at the matchups like, yes, the Nuggets have their own version of that in Jokic and Murray. But kind of to your point, defensively, I just think Denver's way more exploitable than than Utah. I mean, you, you got Royce O'Neal, who actually defended Kawhi reasonably well in the regular season. You got Joe Ingles, who I think is a guy who can chase PG around screens. We actually kind of saw that a couple of years ago uh, when they played OKC in the first round. And you got Rudy Gobert in there. And if you're asking me, that defense versus Jokic as the rim protector, my, my Serbian you know brethren. Um, oh, or- cousin Jokic,
1: <laughs> cousin Jokic too. Oh my, I didn't even so think we, about that.
0: We, we were the Balkan Bros. Um, you got so you got him and and then i mean jeremy grant is a good defender you got gary harris you got uh you know tory craig is is a respectable defender like you do have some pieces on denver but i I just think overall i also think quinn snyder is a better coach than you know michael malone i I don't think that's breaking news so his, his ability to make in series adjustments um you know denver is deeper and i think denver has more offensive firepower so it, to me, it's like it's splitting hairs. I, I think they're very evenly matched. I mean, look, they're, they're going seven games, but um, I, I don't know. I, I would say like Donovan's playing out of his mind, although so is Jamal Murray. Uh, but I, I just I think I'm a little bit more afraid of Utah with their defense and their coaching compared to Denver with their offense and their depth.
1: Yeah, it, it, the funny thing is they're very similar to a degree of of teams that the Clippers would face. I don't think either would really pose a serious, crazy threat. Maybe they'd get a game. Maybe they get two, but I don't think it's something where I feel like, oh, man, this this series is in jeopardy because they're playing the Jazz instead of the Nuggets or, or anything like that. So I think ultimately, though, I just think the easier matchup for them is going to be Denver. But let me ask you this question, Jovan, and I'm throwing you for a curveball, and I, I know we're running short on time. OK, what are the odds Marcus Morris gets suspended for his karate chap on Luka Doncic for Oof. game one?
0: Uh, I feel like it's 40-60, it's as in 40% likelihood of getting suspended. Um, you know, It doesn't help that he's coming off the heels, but I'm bummed. That game five uh, interaction with Luka and also had the game one interaction with Luka that caused Kristaps Porzingis to get ejected. Uh, if you remember. So he's had three different incidents with Luka Doncic. He does have the reputation as a tough guy who will take hard fouls, who will take flagrants. He's actually now at risk of getting suspended soon. I think if he gets one more flagrant, he's going to get suspended. So that's a a storyline to watch for. And then on top of that, his wife is due in September. So he's going to have to leave the bubble for – You know, I I guess sometime around a week or so, when you factor in a four-day quarantine coming back, so you know that could maybe not affect them in this series, but could affect them in the conference finals. Which you know, I I think Marcus has probably been their third best player, Uh, defending Luca, being that third reliable guy, even the second reliable guy offensively when you know PG was struggling a bit. So um, you know that that would be a big blow, certainly if he's out. you know for for any uh, amount of time whether it's uh being suspended or you know for for this or for his flagrant points or for the birth of his son um you know he's going to be gone at some point it, it seems like and, and that's really going to be a big blow for the clippers
1: yeah i mean that's gonna be i think it's closer to like 50 50 i i think a lot of you know some of its reputation and then just all the antics he did in the first couple of games leading up to this i think kind of I won't be surprised to see we wake up tomorrow or the day after, and there's news of suspension breaking for uh, Mr. Marcus Morris. Well, you heard it here first, uh, or
0: last, depending on when you depends listen depends when this, you listen. But, but you know, but hopefully, first. Um, Mo, where can people find you on Twitter, and where can they find your work on the Athletic and
1: Bleacher Report? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Mo Keel underscore NBA. Uh, like I said, I write for Bleacher Report. I'm on the Friday Athletic NBA show, Nerd she Wrote, with Seth Partnow and Dave Dufour. That's where we get really nerdy and talk about basketball, hence the title. And I host the Rockets show, the Brody and the Beard, with my man Kelly Eco. And that's where you can find me. Just follow me on Twitter. I tweet out all my stuff.
0: So you're rooting for a Clippers, Rockets, Western Conference Finals, huh?
1: Yeah, well, I, in, let me put it this way. If we were sitting in Staples, I probably wouldn't be because I'd want the Laker Clipper in Staples experience, and that would just be me being selfish. But now, since that's not the case, I'm fine with the Houston <laughs> Houston Clippers battle. And You, you want to be on this podcast
0: more, let's be real. Um,
1: I'm still going to be on this podcast more. I'm practically <laughs> the cult. Where's my signage? <laughs>
0: Well, Mo, thank you for coming on. Uh, This will definitely not be the last time we hear from you on this podcast in the postseason. Uh, As always, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jovan Buha, at J-O-V-A-N-B-U-H-A. If you have not subscribed to The Athletic yet, you should do so. You can go to theathletic.com slash Google to help out this podcast, help me out, um, and make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a review, uh, as long as it's positive. Uh, Five-star rating, please. And uh, I will be back to talk to you guys with a preview of whoever the Clippers end up facing in round two.